0: creatives and I'm Raquel, your hostess. Um, I am happy to welcome Alexandra Sherman today uh, as our artist. Uh, She explores the landscape of the mind in her art through watercolor installations and collage. She seeks to give the viewer an intimate experience through small-scale evocative watercolors and collages that explore the human experience, our sense of connection, and the responsibility we have to ourselves others, and the environment. She has experience as a curator. She's worked in several frame ateliers, learning conservation framing techniques, and the French paper art of cartonnage. Is that, am I saying that correctly? Yep, okay. Um, She's earned her BA in philosophy of religion from Elon University, and then continued her studies at the Corcoran College of Art, received her MFA in drawing and painting from the University of Wisconsin-Madison, and has held artist residency in Washington, D.C. and Buenos Aires. She has taught experimental and experiential watercolor and collage classes. Alexandra's work has been exhibited in galleries and museums and can be found in private collections and institutions. Welcome to the show, Alexandra.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Raquel.
0: My pleasure. My pleasure. It's nice to be able to connect with people. (laughs) Absolutely. So, what... I'm just gonna jump right in and ask you to tell us a little bit about yourself and how you started and how you got to where you are now.
1: It's been a long winding road, but I think I started um, really early with art. Um, My mom said as a toddler, I was making 30 to 40 drawings a day and just couldn't get enough of it. Um, And so I've always been doing something in the arts, um, and, and obsessed with certain things, and I would keep drawing and drawing and drawing, and, and, and that still continues, so um, I, I, was, I was basically just always creating something, but it wasn't until I got to college that I realized that, you know, I, I really don't think I'll be happy doing anything outside of the arts for a career, um, even though, a career in the arts is can be kind of daunting. It can be tough to cobble together. Living, as um, most artists know, we we are in a gig economy a lot of the time. Um, so after grad school, I, I taught homeschool kids. I would go oh, okay. to a circuit of kids and um, I would, would teach some art. It was really fun and um, exciting to work with kids. I'd never worked with children before, I'd always been adults, and um, just to explore new things that way. And then I ended up, before that, I was curating um, at Mobile Corporation. They had one of the largest modern art collections, corporate collections, and um, so I was assistant curator there, and that got me more into modern work, which previously um, I, I grew up in the antiques business, so um, my mother was an antique dealer, and that still is something that really um, interests me. but um, it was this that curation uh, assistant curator position was where I got introduced to modern work and um, prints and all sorts of different things that I really hadn't been exposed to before. Um, and so. Then after the teaching, I ended up working in Washington in a couple of different frame ateliers, and mm. that has been amazing because obviously as a watercolor artist and collage artist, much of my work is behind glass. So to be able to frame it and construct boxes, and um, you mentioned uh, the cartonnage, which is um, it's actually from the Egyptians. They would build things out of carton and paint and polychrome them, and they'd be beautiful. Um, the French. Art of Cartoon, I was just building boxes and things like that and covering them in all these gorgeous papers and they do that with their frames as well. And, um, it's funny, I was just thinking because the work I'm doing now, I have little scraps of gold leaf paper that I, that the French framer gave to me. Um, it was mm-hmm. a French frame shop, um, gave to me as scraps because they were too small to use and I had saved them and it's been like 12 years and I'm finally pulling them out and using them. Uh-huh. And so after the Frame Shops, I was curator at uh, the dating Gallery at Wesley Seminary. And, um, and I've been teaching all along. And then after a time, it, um, I started working, meeting some other artists and really networking, which is something that I wasn't very good at or didn't really realize the necessity of. Um, and things have started to open up and I've been selling my work more on my own and um, doing, working with groups like Femme Fatale and doing markets and then, of course, having exhibitions. So that's kind of the long meandering journey. <laughs> Did you,
0: um, when you, what what made you go like to like learn the, the, the French techniques? Like what, what spurred you?
1: Um, I suppose I kind of fell into it. I was working, I had an internship at Gold Leaf Studios Mm -hmm. uh, owned by Bill Adair. And he was um, one of the major conservation framers for um, the portrait gallery at one point. And then he opened up his own and he had the the most incredible collection of antique frames. And I learned an incredible amount there. And um, he had a friend who was working um, in, who had owned Le Claude Averre in which is a French franchise, and there's 40 of them in France, and they wanted to open a store in D.C., and they needed people with framing and art skills, and so that's how mm-hmm. I got hooked up with that, and then I walked into this store, and they had papers from all over the world, because that's, they would wrap the mats in these incredible papers, mm-hmm. and it was just this, Something ignited me. I was so like all this color, texture, pattern, and it was just this um, complete departure from the white mat and um, mm-hmm. the framer there who i 'm still friends with, and actually just talked about collaborating some something on a, um, a piece with, and he 's in France uh-huh. um, he He taught me an incredible amount because there's still like there are still frame schools that you go to learn framing in Europe and we mm-hmm. don't really have that so much here. Yeah. So it was just this way to pick up all these skills, some of which have been done for hundreds of years and, and, uh, yeah. just, and it, you, I put it in my art. <laughs>
0: do you know that um, I used to work at Goldleaf Studios? I did not know that. I didn't either. That's, like, that's why I was like, and I should have asked you when I read that, like, because there are so few in the DC area and I was like, oh, well, I'll just, you know, and so when you said that I was like, oh my cause I remember like walking in to that studio for an interview. Oh incredible. and um, it was literally like falling down the rabbit hole in Alice in Wonderland. Yes, yes. Like like it was like like it was as I feel like uh, as close as you could get to a European atelier oh, here in, in the Rome. States, right? Just yeah. just frame upon frame and just things you just didn't think were possible
1: and the way he had them all displayed and yeah it was it was a museum of frames yeah absolutely and and just how important the frame framing is and I mean context is everything so the frame for art I think is quite important and yeah it is
0: yeah it really is it's like it's uh uh I'm gonna say an unsung hero like I always kind of compare it to um like if you know you're selecting the wedding dress you know that that when it's sometimes it's too much you sometimes it's too much the dress but then when you find the one it's like you are you are you are together like it is like nothing's dominant it just works beautifully together and and it's something that I just didn't really realize um and like, it is a genuine art form to find the right frame, to find the right matting and all of those things to really make your work sing.
1: Absolutely. And the, the skills I gained in learning how to do all that, I mean, cutting a frame is <laughs> takes yeah. a lot of practice. So
0: It does, it does, absolutely. Um, all right,
1: so uh, what's the best advice you've ever gotten? Um, I wrote it down just to remind myself, uh, <laughs> it, it, it was really so simple and brilliant in its simplicity, and it's just that not every piece can be your best work, and because uh, I think every artist, every person who's creative, struggles with that inner voice that is constantly criticizing you, and you have to tell her to go take a hike quite often, some days she's less vocal than others, but um, so I you know, was being very critical of my own work. I had, this was at my MFA show actually, and I was so, oh, this painting is not good and blah, blah. blah. And uh, my friend just said to me, not every piece can be your best piece. And, and taking that further is that, um, that you have to make a lot of pieces on the way to making something great because it's a it's always this building this these stepping stones and and exploration and if you don't and also if you're not outside of your comfort zone you're Mm -hmm. not pushing things and so that idea that you can make a piece that's bad but there might be some a gem in it that will make the next next piece amazing so that's something I've just carried with me for years and um yeah, that's my best. Yeah,
0: no, I love that because I think like one of the things like I, I feel like the more um, the more I visited museums, you know, and, and and looked at art and the such at some point, because I was trying to, I call it um, collecting twigs for my confidence fire. You oh, know? My and, <laughs> so I go around and I'm like, oh, okay, well, you know, and so I'll look for things just to sort of like shore up that, that confidence element, because I do think that we all have very strong internal voices that um, are largely designed to protect us, but, but sometimes they can be a little over protective and a little overbearing. So (laughs) so so we have to uh, make adjustments. But what I started realizing is as I'd walk around is that um, so that work might be by a master painter but I would not consider it a masterpiece, do you know? And so what I started to realize is that like, so you might have somebody who's really, really well known, you know, and I'm thinking like French impressionists and the such, um, and then you go, oh, well, well, maybe I shouldn't be so critical. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I know, I know. I- I saw something at the Phillips collection and they were showing pieces um, and I think they were even unfinished pieces and I was like, oh, these artists would never, ever have let these out of their studios. This is for their private files and I thought, oh my goodness, I I felt, I was like, oh, it's just so wrong that they are being shown. Of course, it's wonderful because you get to see the process, but... I also felt like it made me uncomfortable because I was thinking right. about if this were the, some of the things that I make that are just, yeah, not ready to leave.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's like peeking into somebody's boudoir. Like, yeah, i like, oh, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not supposed to see that. <laughs>
1: I, I thought they must have been turning over in their graves. but Yeah,
0: I, I, you know, it's funny because I sit there and I, I think... um. It depends on the artist, but I think sometimes I think they must just be laughing, like, in a sense, like, can you believe somebody bought that? Like, that's, you know, (laughs) like, that's what I like to think. I like to think, like, you know, when I'm, you know, in the afterlife, uh, that I will be getting a good kick out of everything that's going on. I sure hope so, anyway. Yeah, let's hope. I have <laughs> very big plans for a very long time. That's right, that's right. Well, you know, I've got, yeah, I've got, I've got another, I'm hoping 50 years, but we'll see. Um, let's see, um, what are three things that you think creatives can do today to improve their visibility?
1: Well, I think just getting out there and networking and whether that's, going to other artists shows and seeing what they're doing and connecting with people or markets or anywhere. Um, And I think that also extends to being on Instagram and Facebook and and things like that because there's so many wonderful artists in the DC area um, Mm -hmm. that it's impossible to get to everybody's show that you would like to. And I often I have them marked on my calendar, and then it, you know it slips by, and because um, we're just spread out geographically, mm-hmm. but it is a tight knit community. And um, being able, I I love going to these events and talking to people, and which is not something I naturally um, inclined to do, but I've begun to really embrace that, and um, and also just connecting. Yeah, I mean, you and I met. I was picking up a piece for a friend at the at the show you were in, and we just met yeah. and hit it off. And then, so um, I, I guess I would, yeah, just by connecting to the network. Yeah, I do. I think that that whole the like it's. I think the whole
0: networking thing. It's it applies across the board. Like like people don't want to think about art as a business, so to speak. Do you know what I mean? Like a, yeah. like commercial. But the thing is, is that. Um, it's just like any any job. People, um, I think, um, when you come to mind for certain things, or do you know, like you get opportunities because you're out there, and you're like, because it's such solitary work most often that if you don't get out there, how's anybody right gonna know? Like, how are they gonna know what you're doing?
1: You have to show your work and. Yeah, exactly. And um, I used to enter like a lot of group shows and things like that. And now I'm still doing that. I'm writing more proposals for projects and, and solo exhibitions when I'm ready to do it. But but I am still interested in doing the group ones because it's, it's fun because you get to meet other artists. Mm-hmm. And you also widen your audience because their people come to the show, your people come to the show and you all get to meet and yeah and also
0: I think there's an element of like to do like a um a solo show like is that's a whole different level of work versus being like a part
1: right of a show you're you're not responsible for you're just you write your artist statement and you give your papers in and and you show up and that's about it
0: Yeah, yeah. And so I think it's a nice way to kind of balance it out. Like, uh, like, I found that I have to have things sort of overlapping, like so that because when I first started, like trying to do things, I would have like the goal, and then I'd come to the end of the goal. And then I'd be like, well, what now? And then it would take me, you know, another amount of time to ramp up to get the next goal. And, and so now I just have them overlapping so that it's like, this one's coming to an end, this one's starting and, and that seems to, to work for now.
1: I, Yeah, I think it it's, takes a long time to find a rhythm. And also the opportunities for artists are um, not always on a consistent basis and, and you just never know. There's so many moving variables and things, but.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. But it's, it's, it makes it interesting. It's the perfect, if you don't like doing the exact same thing every day, it's the perfect kind of environment. Do you know what I mean? It's like, because you can, you can reinvent it, you can change it, you can morph it. And, uh, and you, you know, you obviously at the whim of others, but, you know, when aren't you? <laughs> Um, let's see, do you think that the advice about visibility, do you think it's different between like men and women? Um
1: I'm not sure i I feel like uh, men take advantage of visibility in very different ways than women do uh, i I often question whether, oh, am i can I do that or should I do that or Um, it's, I think men and women take up space differently, um, Mm -hmm. verbally, and um, so I think it's women are finding different ways and finding our voices in order to do that, Uh, Mm -hmm. at least that's been the case for me, um, because, yeah, yeah, no, no, and I I mean, I
0: think it's, I do think it's a different, um, I'm going to say, like, it's a, like I think about like the opportunities I have versus what my mother had versus what my grandmother had versus what my great grandmother had, you know? And they're very, they're very different, but it's still um, you're ingrained to behave in a, like a certain way. There There's societal expectations that you should behave in a certain way. And, <clears throat> and I'm gonna say just because I did recruiting for a very long time. Um like a, a a female will see a job and she'll have 95% of the skill set and not have the five. And 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 I do think this is shifting, but but I think it still holds true. It's like, oh well, I don't have that five percent, so I'm not ready.
1: I always feel that way. Or yeah. or oh, this doesn't meet the criteria exactly, and and I why would they take this? Or you know, and yeah. To some extent, I've had to just be like, okay, if you don't apply, you can't get chosen. And just stop holding yourself, you know, to these, whatever, I don't know what they are.
0: These strange sort of constraints that don't, they're all really largely in our head. Yes,
1: yes, I think they, they are. Um, certainly, I don't see any male colleagues telling me not to do something. So. Right. Right. Exactly.
0: Exactly. And, uh, and, so, and so I think it's one of those things where what can we do to, you know, to move ourselves? I mean, for years, I had a certain person in mind and I would ask myself when, when I was trying to, I'll say, build up that muscle, uh, like, what would this guy do? You know, and uh, his name's Martin. So I would be like, what would Martin do? and and I'd be like well Martin would apply you know or Martin would let it go or you know and and so um because I was just like that person possessed something that I wanted to obtain but I felt it was just a muscle I needed to exercise and so so I just modeled him and I probably modeled him for like two years in all honesty I don't do it anymore now I have you know other voices in my head that I like what would so-and-so do um but it's a I think there is a thing to exercising that muscle and becoming more
1: comfortable and and being comfortable being in the public space I find Mm -hmm. I find that I feel like being online is very it's I feel very quite vulnerable online sometimes because you, mm-hmm. You're in this complete public forum, and there's no protections, and you're putting mm-hmm. your uh, your hard work and all everything, your heart into it. Because if yeah. you create art, your heart is right there, and you're mm-hmm. putting that out for public consumption. And for the most, like I'd say, you know, I I've had very very few bad experiences being out there. So it's... Yeah it's, yeah, managing fear and expectations and- Yeah, and um, I do think it's
0: sort of like, sort of like recognizing that there's fear, but but there's, that fear actually has no power. So just walk past it. Do you know what I mean? Like if you can just get yourself to walk past it, like it doesn't have arms, it can't reach out and grab you, just, just walk on past, you know? And, uh, and until, cause I do think that's the thing is that um, we try to protect ourselves you know, and, but it can be limiting, and, um, and I, I don't think I've really had, knock on wood, I haven't had any really bad, you know, experience. I found the majority of people out there are just really pleasant, you know, human beings. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, all right, let's see, uh, because we're starting to, uh, get close to time, so who is your Favorite contemporary female artist and why?
1: Um, I have been looking at Kara Walker a lot, and uh, I think I I was in London in January and I saw her Fons Americanas at the Tate Britain and it was just magnificent. It's huge monument. I mean, monumental is the right word and. Um, I I was reading a curator statement about it not only could it be seen and but it could also be heard because she had incorporated water into it Mm -hmm. and I just feel like she is breaking so many boundaries, um, not only as a female artist but as an African American artist and she does her work is just it's searing it's it's subject matter is so difficult and she does it so beautifully Mm -hmm. Um, it's so it's so dark and so beautiful at the same time that it allows you access to what she's talking about and she's looking at our um the terrible history of race in our country in the world and um Mm -hmm. comparing in working in incredible amounts of art history and uh she's just so smart and she seems to be able to do anything she sets her mind to. She's done the paper silhouettes, which, are, which is her major big first thing, um, which I just find gorgeous. Um, and, and then she's film and sculpture, and I, it's just, she, she draws, she paints. She's just amazing, I think. She, she's, she's, the, she's the true uh, Renaissance, woman she is
0: she does yeah it just um yeah and And her stuff yeah her stuff is it's like it is it is the the only thing I can say is it's mesmerizing like it's like it's like like what she's telling you about visually is is it's awful but you but the way it's done is it's you, you it's difficult to look away do you know what I mean? Like, like, and that's, a,
1: that's an artful balance that, like, to get she it in a place. She rides that line, and and mm-hmm. that's something I've always been interested in my own work. That line between beauty and ugly, pain, mm-hmm. and delight. and so yeah. She she's yeah. I really admire her. Yeah, yeah. All right, good one. I like that one. Um,
0: let me ask you, is there anything that I should have asked you, but I didn't?
1: Um, I didn't write anything for that one. <laughs> I forgot about that one.
0: It's okay. It's okay. It's a, you know, it's a, you know, we, we can always, you know, do an addendum.
1: <laughs> I, I'll thank you. <laughs> <It's> okay. <laughs> yeah.
0: um, all right. Well, now, how about you tell us where we can find you?
1: Um, you can find me on Instagram at Alexandra N. Sherman or Facebook, which is at A.N. Sherman Art. And of course my website, which is A.N. Sherman Art dot com. Excellent. Oh, well, it's not. No, it's just A.N. Sherman dot com. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm a little, like, me, like, where is she? <laughs> yeah. Where is I? I. How how I forget my own website right now I don't know but a little nervous. <laughs> <laughs> it
0: happens. Is it like a, I I think it's we've got so many accounts going on. Do you know and that it's, it's funny. It, it, and they're like passwords at this point. It's like <laughs> like what is it and I just go forgot password. I don't even try to suss it out anymore because it's like I could spend hours of my life trying to find the password to something. <laughs> For sure. Well, Thank you so much for being here. It's a delight and I I hope people go and see your work because it's beautiful stuff.
1: Thank you, the pleasure has been all mine. (laughs) Thank you. Um,
0: And now I'm going to turn off our recording. Yes, I want to record to the cloud. All right, so you should see a little red light that says we're recording. Somewhere up in the top, probably.
1: Yes, there it is. Okay.
0: Um. All right. So let me get my little tablet going here. All right. So I'm gonna do the introduction and then I'll come to okay. you. Okay. I- welcome everyone. Uh, this is Pure Fire Creatives and I'm Raquel, your hostess. Um. I am happy to welcome Alexandra Sherman today uh, as our artist. Uh, She explores the landscape of the mind in her art through watercolor installations and collage. She seeks to give the viewer an intimate experience through small-scale evocative watercolors and collages that explore the human experience, our sense of connection, and the responsibility we have to ourselves, others, and the environment. She has experience as a curator. She's worked in several frame ateliers, learning conservation framing techniques, and the French paper art of cartonnage. Is that, am I saying that correctly? Yes, okay. Um, she's earned her BA in philosophy of religion from Elon University and then continued her studies at the Corcoran College of Art, received her MFA in drawing and painting from the University of Wisconsin-Madison and has held artist residency in Washington DC and Buenos Aires. She has taught experimental and experiential watercolor and collage classes Alexandra's work has been exhibited in galleries and museums and can be found in private collections and institutions. Welcome to the show, Alexandra.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Raquel.
0: My pleasure. My pleasure. It's nice to be able to connect with people. (laughs) Absolutely. So I'm just going to jump right in and ask you to tell us a little bit about yourself and how you started and how you got to where you are now.
1: It's been a long winding road but I think I started um, really early with art. Um, My mom said as a toddler I was making 30 to 40 drawings a day and just couldn't get enough of it Um, and so I've always been doing something in the arts um, and, and obsessed with certain things and I would keep drawing and drawing and drawing and and that still continues. So um, I, I was I was basically just always creating something, but it wasn't until I got to college that I realized that, you know, I, I really don't think I'll be happy doing anything outside of the arts for a career, um, even though a career in the arts is can be kind of daunting. It can be tough to cobble together. Living, as um, most artists know, we, we are in a gig economy a lot of the time. Um, so after grad school, I, I taught homeschool kids. I would go oh, okay. to a circuit of kids and um, I would, would teach some art. It was really fun and um, exciting to work with kids. I'd never worked with children before. I'd always been adults. And um, just to explore new things that way. And then I ended up, before that I was curating um, at Mobile Corporation. They had one of the largest modern art collections, corporate collections. And um, so I was assistant curator there and that got me more into modern work, which previously, um, I I grew up in the antiques business. So um, my mother was an antique dealer and that still is something that really um, interests me, but, it was this, that curation, uh, assistant curator position was where I got introduced to modern work and um, prints and all sorts of different things that I really hadn't been exposed to before. Um, and so then after the teaching, I ended up working in Washington and a couple of different frame ateliers. And mm-hmm. that has been amazing because obviously, as a watercolor artist and collage artist, much of my work is behind glass. So to be able to frame it, and construct boxes and um, you mentioned uh, the cartonage which is um, it's actually from the Egyptians they would build things out of carton and paint and polychrome them and they'd be beautiful. Um, the French art of cartonage is building boxes and things like that and covering them in all these gorgeous papers and they do that with their frames as well and um, it's funny I was just thinking because the work I'm doing now I have little scraps of gold leaf paper that I, that the French framer gave to me, um, it was mm-hmm. a French frame shop, um, gave to me as scraps because they were too small to use, and I had saved them, and it's been like twelve years, and I'm finally pulling them out and using them, uh-huh. uh, and so after the frame shops, I was curator uh, at the dating Gallery at Wesley Seminary, and um, and I've been teaching all along, and then after a time it. Um, I started working, meeting some other artists and really networking, which is something that I wasn't very good at or re- didn't really realize the necessity of. Um, and things have started to open up and I've been selling my work more on my own and um, doing, working with groups like Femme Fatale and doing markets and then of course having exhibitions. So that's kind of the long meandering journey. <laughs> <laughs> Did you, um, when you,
0: what what made you go like to like learn the 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 French techniques? Like what what spurred you?
1: Um, I suppose I kind of fell into it. I was working, um, I had an internship at Gold Leaf Studios, mm-hmm. uh, owned by Bill and he was um, one of the major conservation framers for um, the portrait gallery at one point and then he opened up his own and he had the, this, the most incredible collection of antique frames and I learned an incredible amount there and um, he had a friend who was working um, in who had owned Le Claude Averre in which is a French franchise and there's 40 of them in France and they wanted to open a store in DC and they needed people with framing and art skills And so that's how Mm -hmm. I got hooked up with that. And then I walked into this store and they had papers from all over the world because that's, they would wrap the mats in these incredible papers. Mm -hmm. And it was just this, something ignited Mm -hmm. me. I was so like all this color, texture, pattern, and it was just this um, complete departure from the white mat and um, Mm -hmm. the framer there who i'm still friends with and actually just talked about collaborating some something on a um a piece with and he's in france uh-huh. um he he taught me an incredible amount because there's still like there are still frame schools that you go to learn framing in europe and mm-hmm. we don't really have that so much here yeah so it was just this way to pick up all these skills some of which have been done for hundreds of years and and, uh, yeah. it was just, and it, you, I put it in do, my art. <laughs> do you know that um,
0: I used to work at Goldleaf Studios? I did not know that. I didn't either. That's, like, that's why I was like, and I should have asked you when I read that, like, because there are so few in the D.C. area, and I was like, oh, well, I'll just, you know. And so when you said that, I was like, oh, my, because I remember, like, walking in to that studio for an interview. Oh,
1: incredible. And
0: um, it was literally like falling down the rabbit hole in Alice in Wonderland.
1: Yes, yes. Like,
0: like it was like, like it was as, I feel like uh, as close as you could get to a European atelier oh, here there. in the States, right? Just, yeah. just frame upon frame and just things you just didn't think were possible.
1: And the way he had them all displayed and yeah, it was, yeah. it was a museum of frames. Yeah, absolutely. And, and just how important the frame framing is. And I mean, context is everything. So the frame for art, I think, is quite important. And yeah. It is.
0: Yeah, it really is. It's like, it's i uh, uh, I'm going to say an unsung hero. Like, I always kind of compare it to, um, like if, you know, you're selecting the wedding dress, you know, that, that when it's, sometimes it's too much you, sometimes it's too much the dress, but then when you find the one, it's like you are, you are, you are together, like it is like nothing's dominant, it just works beautifully together, and, and it's something that I just didn't really realize, um, And like, it is a genuine art form to find the right frame, to find the right matting and all of those things to really
1: make your work sing. Absolutely. And the the skills I gained in learning how to do all that, I mean, cutting a frame is (laughs) takes a lot of practice. It does, it
0: does, absolutely. Um, All right, so uh, what's the best
1: advice you've ever gotten? I wrote it down just to remind myself. Uh, (laughs) It it, it was really so simple and brilliant in its simplicity. And it's just that not every piece can be your best work. And because uh, I think every artist, every person who's creative struggles with that inner voice that is constantly criticizing you and you have to tell her to go take a hike quite often. Some days she's less vocal than others. But um, so I, you know, was being very critical of my own work. I had, this was at my MFA show, actually. And I was, so, oh, this painting is not good and blah, blah, blah. And uh, my friend just said to me, not every piece can be your best piece. And, and taking that further is that um, that you have to make a lot of pieces on the way to making something great because it's a it's always this building this these stepping stones and and exploration and if you don't and also if you're not outside of your comfort zone Mm -hmm. you're not pushing things and so that idea that you can make a piece that's bad but there might be some a gem in it that will make the next next piece amazing so that's something i've just carried with me for years and um yeah, that's my best. Yeah,
0: no, I love that because I think like one of the things like I, I feel like the more um, the more I visited museums, you know, and, and and looked at art and the such at some point, because I was trying to, I call it um, collecting twigs for my confidence fire. You oh know? My <laughs> <laughs> so I go around and I'm like, oh, okay, well, you know, and so I'll look for things just to sort of like shore up. That, that confidence element because I do think that we all have very strong internal voices that um, are largely designed to protect us, but, but sometimes they can be a little overprotective and a little overbearing. So, <laughs> yeah. so, so we have to uh, make a, a, a adjustments. But what I started realizing is as I'd walk around is that, um, so that work might be by a master painter but I would not consider it a masterpiece, do you know? And so what I started to realize is that like, so you might have somebody who's really, really well known, you know, and I'm thinking like French Impressionists and the such, um, and then you go, oh, well, well, maybe I shouldn't be so critical.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. I saw something at the Phillips collection and they were showing pieces um, and I think they were even unfinished pieces and I was like, oh, these artists would never, ever have let these out of their studios. This is for their private files and I thought, oh my goodness, I I felt, I was like, oh, it's just so wrong that they are being shown. Of course, it's wonderful because you get to see the process, but I also felt like it made me uncomfortable because I was thinking right. about if this were the, some of the things that I make that are just, yeah, not ready to leave. <laughs> yeah, it's like peeking into somebody's boudoir. Like, yeah, I feel like, oh, no, no. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm not supposed to see that.
1: <laughs> I, I thought they must have been turning over in their graves. but
0: Yeah, I, I, you know, it's funny because I sit there and I, I think, um, It depends on the artist, but I think sometimes I think they must just be laughing, like, in a sense, like, can you believe somebody bought that? Like, that's, you know, (laughs) (laughs) like, that's what I like to think. I like to think, like, you know, when I'm, you know, in the afterlife, uh, that I will be getting a good kick out of everything that's going on. I sure hope so. Anyway, (laughs) yeah, let's hope. hope. I (laughs) had very big plans for a long time. That's right. That's right. Well, you know, I've got yeah, I've got I've got another. I'm hoping 50 years, but we'll see. Um, Let's see. um, What are three things that you think creatives can do today to improve their visibility?
1: Well, I think just getting out there and networking, and whether that's going to other artists' shows and seeing what they're doing and connecting with people or markets or and anywhere. Um, and I think that also extends to being on Instagram and Facebook and, and things like that because there are so many wonderful artists in the D.C. area um, mm-hmm. that it's impossible to get to everybody's show that you would like to. And I often, I have them marked on my calendar and then it, you know, it slips by and um, cause we're just spread out geographically, mm-hmm. but it is a tight knit community and um, being able, I, I love going to these events and talking to people and which is not something I naturally um, inclined to do, but I've begun to really embrace that. and um, And also just connecting yeah, I mean, you and I met. I was picking up a piece for a friend at the at the show you were in, and we yeah. just met and hit it off. And then, so um, I, I guess I would, yeah, just by connecting to the network. Yeah, I do. I
0: think that that whole the like it's. I think the whole networking thing. It's it applies across the board. Like like people don't want to think about art as a business, so to speak. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. a, like commercial. But the thing is, is that. Um, it's just like any any job, people. Um, I think um, when you come to mind for certain things, or do you know, like you get opportunities because you're out there, and you're like, because it's such solitary work most often that if you don't get out there, how's anybody right gonna know? Like, how are they gonna know what you're doing?
1: You have to show your work and. Yeah, exactly. And um, I used to enter like a lot of group shows and things like that. And now I'm still doing that. I'm writing more proposals for projects and, and solo exhibitions when I'm ready to do it. But but I am still interested in doing the group ones because it's, it's fun because you get to meet other artists mm-hmm. and you also widen your audience because their people come to the show, your people come to the show and you all get to meet and yeah and also I think there's an element
0: of like to do like a um a solo show like it that's a whole different level of work versus being like a part
1: right of a show you're you're not responsible for you're just you write your artist statement and you give your papers in and and you show up and that's about it Yeah,
0: yeah. And so I think it's a nice way to kind of balance it out. Like, uh, like, I found that I have to have things sort of overlapping, like, so that because when I first started, like, trying to do things, I would have like the goal, and then I'd come to the end of the goal. And then I'd be like, well, what now? And then it would take me, you know, another amount of time to ramp up to get the next goal. And, and so now I just have them overlapping so that it's like this one's coming to an end, this one's starting, and, and that seems to, to work. For
1: now. I, yeah, I think it it's, takes a long time to find a rhythm. And also the opportunities for artists are um, not always on a consistent basis, and, and you just never know. There's so many moving variables and things, but... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. But it's, it makes it interesting. It's the
0: perfect if you don't like doing the exact same thing every day. It's the perfect kind of environment. Do you know what I mean? It's like because you can you can reinvent it, you can change it, you can morph it, and uh, and you, you know you obviously at the whim of others. But you know when aren't you? <laughs> um let's see. do you think that the advice about visibility do you think it's different between like men and women
1: um i'm not sure i i feel like uh men take advantage of visibility in very different ways than women do uh i i often question whether oh am i can i do that or should i do that or Um, it's, I think men and women take up space differently, um, Mm -hmm. verbally, and um, so I think it's women are finding different ways and finding our voices in order to do that. Uh, Mm -hmm. At least that's been the case for me, um, because, yeah. Yeah, no, no, and I mean, I think it's, I do think it's a different,
0: um, I'm going to say, like, it's a, like I think about like the opportunities I have versus what my mother had versus what my grandmother had versus what my great grandmother had, you know, and they're very, they're very different. But it's still um, you're ingrained to behave in a like a certain way. There, are societal expectations that you should behave in a certain way, and <clears throat> and I'm gonna say just because I did recruiting for a very long time um like a, a a female will see a job and she'll have 95 percent of the skill set and not have the five and 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 i do think this is shifting but but i think it still holds true and like oh well i don't have that five percent so i'm not ready
1: i always feel that way or yeah. or oh this doesn't meet the criteria exactly and and i why would they take this or you know and yeah. To some extent, I've had to just be like, okay, if you don't apply, you can't get chosen. And just stop holding yourself, you know, to these whatever, I don't know what they are. These these
0: strange sort of constraints that don't, they're all really largely in our head.
1: Yes, yes, I think they, they are. Um, certainly, I don't see any male colleagues telling me not to do something. So. Right,
0: right, exactly, exactly. And, uh, and, so, and so I think it's one of those things where, what can we do to, you know, to move ourselves? I mean, for years, I had a certain person in mind, and I would ask myself when, when I was trying to, I'll say, build up that muscle, uh, like, what would this guy do? You know, and uh, his name's Martin. So I would be like, what would Martin do? and and I'd be like well Martin would apply you know or Martin would let it go or you know and and so um because I was just like that person possessed something that I wanted to obtain but I felt it was just a muscle I needed to exercise and so so I just modeled him and I probably modeled him for like two years in all honesty I don't do it anymore now I have you know other voices in my head that I like what would so-and-so do um but it's a I think there is a thing to exercising that muscle and becoming
1: more comfortable and and being comfortable being in the public space I find Mm -hmm. I find that I feel like being online is very it's I feel very quite vulnerable online sometimes because you Mm -hmm. you're in this complete public forum and there's no protections and you're putting your uh your hard work and all everything your heart into it because if you create art, your heart is right there and you're Mm -hmm. putting that out for public consumption and for the most like i'd say you know i i've had very very few bad experiences being out there so it's it's, yeah, managing fear and expectations and- Yeah, and um, I do think it's sort of like, sort of like
0: recognizing that there's fear, but, but there's, that fear actually has no power. So just walk past it, do you know what I mean? Like if you can just get yourself to walk past it, like it doesn't have arms, it can't reach out and grab you, just, just walk on past, you know? And, and until, because I do think that's the thing is that um, we try to protect ourselves you know, and, but it can be limiting, and, um, and I, I don't think I've really had, knock on wood, I haven't had any really bad, you know, experience. I found the majority of people out there are just really pleasant, you know, human beings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. um, all right, let's see, uh, because we're starting to, uh, get close to time, so who is your, Favorite contemporary female artist and why?
1: Um, I have been looking at Kara Walker a lot, and uh, I think I I was in London in January and I saw her Fons Americanas at the Tate Britain and it was just magnificent. It's huge monument. I mean, monumental is the right word and. Um, I, I was reading a curator statement about it. Not only could it be seen, and but it could also be heard because she had incorporated water into it. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like she is breaking so many boundaries, um, not only as a female artist but as a, an African American artist. And she does her work is just it's searing. Its its subject matter is so difficult, and she does it so beautifully Um, Mm -hmm. it's so it's so dark and so beautiful at the same time that it allows you access to what she's talking about and she's looking at our um the terrible history of race in our country in the world and um Mm -hmm. comparing in working in incredible amounts of art history and uh she's just so smart and she seems to be able to do anything she sets her mind to. She's done the paper silhouettes, which, are, which is her major big first thing, um, which I just find gorgeous. Um, and and then she's film and sculpture, and I, it's just, she, she draws, she paints, she's just amazing, I think. She's the, she's the, she's the true uh, Renaissance, woman she is she does yeah it just
0: um yeah and And her stuff yeah her stuff is it's like it is it is the the only thing i can say is it's mesmerizing like it's like it's like like what she's telling you about visually is is it's awful but you but the way it's done is it's you, you it's difficult to look away do you know what I mean? Like, like and that's, a, that's an artful balance,
1: that like to get she it in rides, a place. She rides that line, and and that's mm-hmm. something I've always been interested in my own work. That line between beauty and ugly, pain, mm-hmm. delight, and so yeah. She she's yeah, I really admire her. Yeah, yeah. All right, good one. I like that one.
0: Um, Let me ask you, is there anything that I should have asked you, but I didn't?
1: Um, I didn't write anything for that one. (laughs) I forgot about that one. It's
0: okay. It's okay. It's a, you know, it's a, you know, we, we can always, you know, do an addendum. (laughs) I'll thank you. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Um, all right. Well now, how about you tell us where we can find you? Um, You can find me on Instagram at Alexandra N. Sherman or Facebook, which is at A.N. Sherman Art. And of course, my website, which is just A.N. Sherman dot com. Thank you so much for being
0: here. It's a delight and I I hope people go and see your work because it's beautiful stuff.
1: Thank you. The pleasure has been all mine. Thank you.